welcome to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I'm Michael Sleesman, Managing Director and Research Scholar of the Center. In this edition of the Bioethics Podcast, CBHD Consultant on Neuroethics, William P. Cheshire Jr., MD, continues with the next installment in his Gray Matter series with the conclusion of an essay entitled, In the Twilight of Aging, A Twinkle of Hope. First, though, please mark your calendars today for our first annual Phoenix Conference, entitled Extending Life, Setting the Agenda for the Ethics of Aging, Death, and Immortality. Confirmed speakers include S.J. Olshansky, Ph.D., from the University of Illinois at Chicago, Gina Moore, M.D., from Loma Linda University, John Keown, D. Phil, from Georgetown University, John Kilner, Ph.D., from Trinity International University, Hava Taros Samuelson, Ph.D. from Arizona State University, and C. Christopher Hook, M.D. from the Mayo Clinic. Highlights will include a debate between S.J. Olshansky and Aubrey de Grey, a biomedical gerontologist with the Methuselah Foundation, which will be held in the IMAX Theater at the Arizona Science Center. Please visit our website at www.cbhd.org for more information and plan on joining us March 3rd through 8th, 2008. Academic and continuing education opportunities will be available. Conclusion In the Twilight of Aging, A Twinkle of Hope by William P. Cheshire, Jr., M.D. The human impulse to transcend the brevity of human life is both personal and communal, spiritual and technological. The comedian Woody Allen famously remarked, I don't want to to achieve immortality through my work. I want to achieve it through not dying. End quote. His words strike a common chord in the human spirit. Hence, the quest for immortality has placed its faith in all manner of emerging technologies. Occasionally, the ambition of these pursuits is immoderate. Anticipated prospects, for example, for precise reengineering of tissue at the molecular level, has inspired nanotechnology pioneer Robert Freitas to declare that, quote, natural death is an outrage, end quote, to be overcome through technology. So deeply human is the impulse to immortality that futurist Ray Kurzweil's hyperbolic prophecy of uploading the brain into a computer and living forever in cyberspace has attracted a curious popularity. According to Kurzweil, quote, at that point, the longevity of one's mind file will not depend on the continued viability of any particular hardware medium, for example, the survival of a biological body and brain. Ultimately, software-based humans will be vastly extended beyond the severe limitations of humans as we know them today. They will live out on the web, projecting bodies whenever they need or want them, including virtual bodies in diverse realms of virtual reality, holographically projected bodies, foglet projected bodies, and physical bodies comprising nanobot swarms and other forms of nanotechnology." End quote. Such prospects remain, for now, distant to technology's reach. Extrapolating from the rate of acceleration of computer processing speed, which historically has doubled every 18 months, once computational power exceeds human intelligence, and provided that it were even possible to copy the information content of a human brain to an electronic medium, it is not clear that such a process would preserve the continuity of personal identity. An intelligent computer would be a different entity that would only disappoint the desire for living forever in the subroutines of endless cyberspace.
For those whose anticipated life expectancy falls short of Kurzweil's predicted date for the singularity, when computers might rescue human minds by replacing them, or for those who have a preference for continuing in human form, there is cryonics. In the heart of the Sonoran Desert, an Arizona company has developed the means to suspend the body in an ultra-cold tank until such time as future medicine develops the hypothetical technology to reverse the cryonic procedure, revive and reconstruct the frozen tissue, and restore the person to health. The cryonic intervention has many of the appearances of a medical procedure. Immediately following the moment of cardiac cessation and medical legal declaration of death, but before the brain has undergone irreversible hypoxic damage, an unproven claim, the body's water is surgically replaced with cryoprotectants such as glycerol to inhibit the formation of ice crystals. And then, the body, or in many cases just the severed head, is immersed in a tank of liquid nitrogen at a temperature of minus 100 degrees Celsius. Cryonic practitioners hold to the astonishing hope that, quote, the emerging science of nanotechnology will eventually lead to devices capable of extensive tissue repair and regeneration, including repair of individual cells, one molecule at a time, and theoretically recover any preserved person in which the basic brain structures, encoding memory and personality, remain intact, end quote. In contrast to the ancient Egyptians who preserved the bodies of their pharaohs after discarding their brains, which they thought to be unimportant, a common practice in cryonics is to preserve just the brain of the patient, leaving the brain's accompanying head intact as a practical matter. According to the cryonicists, quote, brains are compact, inexpensive to store, easy to move, and are a single organ for which cryopreservation protocols can be completely optimized, end quote. The search for prolongevity attracts both sound science and charlatanry. Compelling arguments could be offered that limited medical resources ought first to be directed to the treatment and prevention of illness before being spent on efforts to dramatically extend life expectancy or to store fading brains in suspended animation. The purpose of this essay is not to judge matters of scientific credibility, but rather to take notice that the impulse for immortality finds universal expression. In the marketplace of ideas, there is a continual demand for promising pathways to abundant, lasting, even eternal life. Ideas, moreover, have neurobiological correlates in the brain. Why does the human brain, by its nature, yearn for eternity? that the brain would imagine and long for something that its sensory inputs can neither see nor feel, is to neuroscience a persistent puzzle. That the mind intuitively knows to reach for something completely beyond its earthly experience is to philosophy a timeless enigma. This same deeply human longing echoes in George Herbert's verse, quote, Oh, that thou shouldst give dust a tongue to cry to thee, end quote. The neurobiological correlates of the longing for immortality are unknown. They likely involve many areas of the brain in cooperation. Neuroimaging studies have shown that thoughts of hope engage brain regions involved in cognition, language, perception, vision, audition, and emotions. Envisioning an immortal future is also likely to draw considerably from past experiences. 
Neuropsychological and neuroimaging studies have revealed that the neural substrates for recalling the past have a parallel role in envisioning the future. Constructive episodic memory allows individuals to remember past experiences as well as simulate or imagine future experiences, events, or scenarios. Interestingly, patients with amnesia who have bilateral damage to the hippocampi and have lost the ability to recollect past events are also unable to construct new imagined experiences. Thus, the brain, despite its remarkable capability for prospection, cannot fully imagine an afterlife because its thoughts draw from and are constrained by past experience. A genuine immortal future surpasses earthly imagination. Whereas natural biological drives can be localized to specific structures and circuits within the brain, the human longing for immortality is a spiritual longing. As such, its relationship to brain structures may be best described metaphorically. Pascal knew this when he wrote of the God-shaped void within us that can be filled only by a relationship with the inscrutable and infinite. In the prayerful words of Augustine, Thou hast made us for thyself, and restless is our heart until it comes to rest in thee. William Hurlbut's observation about ethics at the beginning of the 21st century holds true also for speculations about immortality. Quote, we are at the outer edge of the expanding universe of ethics. No one has ever been here before. End quote. The factual record of history contains valuable lessons to guide neuroethical decisions, but alone does not specify the purpose of life or the destiny of humanity. It is necessary to look beyond the past trail of human failures to, to the promise of a future in which all things are new, such as Revelation 21.5. What science cannot explain, the most powerful technology cannot satisfy. Technology in the hands of fallible humans is a two-edged sword. Its gains provide but transitory optimism, and its harms, whether intentional or unintentional, disappoint and in so doing only intensify the materially insatiable human impulse to immortality. Recognizing that the impulse to immortality reflects a true yearning, during this twilight prelude to eternity, it matters which promise we believe and where we place our faith. For to quote Solomon once more in time, quote, The dust returns to the ground it came from, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. That was the conclusion of In the Twilight of Aging, A Twinkle of Hope by William P. Cheshire, Jr., MD. Dr. Cheshire is consultant on neuroethics for the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity and associate professor of neurology at the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. The views expressed herein are Dr. Cheshire's and do not necessarily reflect the positions of either Mayo Clinic or Mayo Foundation USA. This article originally appeared in Ethics and Medicine, an international journal of bioethics, volume 24, Issue 1, Spring 2008, and is used with permission. A print version of this article, with references, is available on our website at www.cbhd.org. The Bioethics Podcast is a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, exploring the nexus of biomedicine, biotechnology, and our common humanity. Our website, cbhd.org. 
www.bioethicsnetwork.org has a wealth of materials on a wide range of bioethical issues. For more information about the Center and to support the work of the Center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. My name is Ben Mitchell, and I'm Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast. Thank you.